Happy Sunday after Thanksgiving. How was everyone's Thanksgiving? Good. Anyone here uh, responsible for the turkey? Anyone here? Just a few. Just a few, huh? This, this Thanksgiving, I was responsible for the turkey. It's first time ever that I've uh, prepared the turkey. First time ever. And not only did I prepare it, but I smoked it. And not only did I smoke it, but I burnt it. <laughs> I burnt it. it. It didn't look good. It tasted good, but it didn't look good. came out all crispy and burnt. Um, but it was really juicy. That's what my brother kept on saying. I'm sorry, does that sound like I'm boasting? It was really juicy. Uh, and then we uh, finished the night. My, 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 my brother and my brother's family was in town. We had a, just an amazing time together. We finished the night by my brother and my mom and I, and we were playing Chinese checkers. And, yeah, we had so much fun. It doesn't matter who won. It doesn't matter who won. Um, we just had a lot of fun. It was a blast. And so we're here today. Um, today we are closing out this series on Radical. I don't know if you guys have uh, picked up a book and you've been um, tracking along, but it has been... I found it to be a, a really refreshing, powerful series. Um, I've been reading the book, and it's, it's, it's every chapter is really just um, so challenging. And I've been talking about the main idea of the book, and today we're wrapping up, so why not talk about the main idea again? Um, the main idea of this book is that there is, is, is something uh, called the American Dream. Let me hear you guys say American Dream. <laughs> American dream. And there is something called the kingdom of God. Let me hear you guys say kingdom of God. And these things, they have certain places, certain spaces and places where they clash. They just, they just do the, uh, one, of, one of those things. And instead of just going with the flow, uh, the writer of, of the, the book Radical is, is inviting us and challenging us to choose to be biblical. And the idea isn't, hey, be radical for the sake of being radical. It's not be different for the sake of being different. It's be biblical. And the guarantee is that if you truly are biblical, people are going to look at you and go, whoa, you're radical. You know? And that's the idea. Now, this series has, and I've been saying, it's been very challenging for me. And I've been looking kind of at my life, and I've been asking the question like, by the way, I just turned 40 last, I mean, this, this past year. Yeah, you didn't, I wasn't like, it wasn't like pause, like I'm hoping you guys would clap. But, and why are you clapping for that? That's nothing to celebrate. Um, but thank you. Um, and I've been, I've been wondering, okay, actually it was the, the, the young people back there who were clapping. I was wondering, am I more radical now, like 20 years later, than I was back then? Or am I less radical? And I've been sort of asking that question and doing a little bit of reflecting. You know, uh, when I was in college, I, I actually, not actually, but I was, I was pretty bold. I was, I was pretty bold. And uh, I, I just think back on a story. Like, my first year when I was at Cal, I was at Ida Sproul uh, Unit 3 at, at Cal. And... Um, you know, I, I, was, I was young, I was, I was definitely just on fire for God. And I just wanted everyone 
to know how amazing God is. And I just feel like not only did God create us, but he gave up his son as a sacrifice to redeem us. This is amazing news. I was just so convicted, you know, amazing news. And I'm like, I got to tell every single person I can about how awesome God is. And it really bugged me back then how, number one, uh, people didn't really seem to care or want to hear the news. And then number two, it just really bugged me that I just felt like Christians were silent about this amazing news. And I mean, God gave up his son, you know, like, and and I couldn't believe that Christians weren't like more vocal and more bold. And and I wanted to be bold about it. So you know what I did is I, I took it upon myself to write up this newsletter. It was actually more like a flyer. And the, the message of this flyer was that, you know, um, God created us. God redeemed us with the sacrifice of his son. If you don't believe in him, you're crazy and foolish, you know. And, and uh, we should know this God who has given up everything for us. So, again, this is me as a freshman. So if you're interested in talking about God... Come to my dorm room and talk to me about God. And this is my dorm room, and this is how you can get in touch with me. Now, this is what I did. I'm not kidding you. This is true. I went around the dorm, and I put it on every bulletin board. Every floor, there's a bulletin board next to the elevator. I put it, you know, I I tacked it on because I I printed out all these copies of this flyer. I'm just just pouring out my heart. Come on, you guys got to know God, right? And I also taped it to the back of, like, bathroom stalls. Because, you know, you're, you're there, you're doing your business, and you have nothing to do. The candy Crush wasn't invented back then, right? And then you would just read this flyer. And so I put it on the back of all these bathroom stalls. And it just, I don't know, you guys, it felt so good to do this. Because I just felt like, finally, when I believe this incredible offer of eternal life, I'm, I'm not going silent, I'm going public. And it just felt good to just get that out there, right? This news is too good for me just to hide. So I put it on the back of bathroom stalls. I didn't care if anyone responded. It just felt so good to get that message out there. You know, it was, it was being bold. But actually, it surprised me. Someone did respond. <laughs> I, someone did respond. Actually, I was walking back to my dorm and back to my room, and someone left a note for me on, on my door. I totally didn't expect this. Actually, what it was, it was a crumpled piece of paper, and it was taped right there on the door. And so I, you know, I, I didn't actually know what it was. I, I, I took down the piece of paper, I uncrumpled it, and I realized that that crumpled piece of paper was actually my flyer. And in the middle of the flyer was this bloody tampon. Yeah, it's kind of gross. Back then I was pretty innocent. I'm like, what, what is this? <laughs> I, what, do, what, do, what do people do with this? You know, why is it bloody? Back then, again, I was really on fire to get the message of God out. And I'm like, you know, how do I, what do I do with this bloody tampon, you know? Uh, But I was remembering certain verses in Scripture that talk about consider it pure joy when people leave bloody tampons for you, right? And so I'm like, you know what this is? This is a badge of honor, you know? And so I kept that bloody tampon. In fact, I have it in my bag right now. No, I'm just kidding. I threw it away. Come on. Not that cheap, right? <laughs> but it, it, it does make me think, you know, like 20 years later, 
my honest confession is I don't get as many bloody tampons now like I did back then. Okay, I've only received one of those things, okay? But still, it was, it was back then and, and not now. And so I've been wondering, am, am I just, am I playing it safe, you know? Is this a good thing that I don't get as many of those things as I do now? And I was wondering because, you know, when Jesus would share the message, you know, you guys remember in the Bible when he would share that, you got to drink my blood speech, you know? <laughs> that probably wasn't a crowd pleaser. People were probably, actually they were offended. They walked away. And when he turned over tables, people probably thought he was obnoxious. And they thought the same thing of the apostles, you know? Am I kind of watering things down? Have I toned it down? Have I lost my passion? I mean, what about you guys? Like, uh, for all the people who were once baptized, were you more on fire back then? Were you more bold? Did you have more of that spirit? Like, I got to just tell the world. I want to tell everyone I know about the love of God. Has that kind of died down? And maybe part of the reason why it might have died down, like I was just examining my own life, and, and part of it is that back when I was young, I was really excited, and I was telling everyone I could about the good news of Jesus. But it didn't seem like there was a lot of people who responded to it and wanted to know more or actually receive Jesus in faith. And something happens to your soul when you just don't get that sort of response. You feel like, well, if you don't want to hear, then I guess I'm not going to tell you. And something about the urgency of that mission kind of dies down. And then added on to this, and I'm not making excuses, but added on to this, things that were not as important start to become a little bit more important. Like food. (laughs) Like football. Like kids and their sports. Like fixing up things around the house, right? like vacations and planning and stuff like that. It just kind of creeps in, and that stuff was not as important as the mission of God, but it became more important, and the mission of God just kind of lost its urgency. Can you guys relate to what I'm talking about? And, and, and you get more politically correct. You care more about being, like, socially acceptable. And really that passion to be God-glorifying and, God, and gospel-saturated, it somehow diminishes. It, it's fading away. And there's something about this book, this radical book, that's just stirring us up to say, you know, let's not be people who settle. Let's not be people who compromise. Let's not play it safe. Let's be bold. Let's be clear about what we stand for. And let's make sure that the most important thing in this universe is the most important thing in our lives, right? And that's what this, this series has been about. It's like hitting the reset button. It's like let's prioritize what is most important, the mission of God. And it's twofold. It's enjoying his grace and it's extending his glory. And if our lives are going to be about anything, let it be about that. Amen? Cherry's going to read the scripture for today, and then we're going to go ahead and explore it and open it up. Okay, John 4, 27 to 42. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. 
Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his, accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. Sherry has read a passage, and normally when Bible teachers talk about this passage, they don't go to this passage. They normally go to the passage before this passage. Now, do you know what happens uh, prior to this conversation? It's the conversation that Jesus has with the woman at the well. <clears throat> that rings a bell, right? It's, the, it's a famous Samaritan woman at the well passage. And Bible teachers go to that because it is such an amazing conversation. They're just kind of bantering back and forth, and they're talking about a variety of topics. But it leads to this ultimate place where Jesus, for the first time in the Gospel of John, directly reveals who he is. Well, she says... Um, when the Christ comes, I'm sure he will explain these things to us. And then Jesus directly says, I who speak to you am he. First time he, you know, uh, reveals his true identity to another person directly. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. Now, after this conversation, this amazing legendary conversation, then we have the conversation that Sherry just read out loud to us. But the really cool thing about this passage is Jesus is revealing what's in his heart. Jesus is revealing what's inside. Now, I, I love this passage because one of the things that it's teaching us is that the mission of God, living your life with the mission of God as your priority is just a better way to live. That's the main idea. Now, <clears throat> this woman is so excited. She is so excited about understanding who Jesus is, that there is this little detail. She leaves the water jar. Now, if you remember, she goes to the well because she was trying to uh, gather water. She was trying to get some water to bring back to her village. But she is so excited about understanding who Jesus really is that she forgets the water jar. Either she forgets it or she's still mindful of like water, but she's like, what's, what's that water when this offer of living water is so much better, right? And so she just leaves it behind. What does she do? She's so excited. What does she do? She goes to her village and she just can't stop talking about Jesus. She's talking to her neighbors. She's talking to the shop owners. She's in, you know, the marketplace telling 
everyone she knows about this incredible conversation that she has with this man who knows everything about her. And you got to come into, you know, where the well is, and you got to come and talk to this man yourself. He's waiting there for you. Come, come, come. So this is all happening, right? And at this time, the disciples come back. Now, where were the disciples? They were at a nearby village. They were all hungry, and so they were gathering some food to bring back to Jesus so they could all have lunch together, right? So you imagine they come back, and they see Jesus talking to the woman. They're like, okay, that's kind of weird. That's kind of social taboo, like men uh, just, just meeting women and talking to them. That sort of thing doesn't really happen. But he's doing it. They respect him too much to, to question him about it. The woman leaves. There is Jesus, and the disciples, you imagine, are in this little gathering, and they're tearing up the pita bread, and they're dipping it into the hummus, and they're, they're separating the dried fish, right? They got all these groceries, and they're all eating it. They're having a good time. Some of them already started, and then some of them are probably feeling guilty, like, you know, we've already started eating, and the master, who's probably even more hungry than we are, is not eating, and he's over there. So one of them, maybe the more considerate one, he would say, Jesus, come, come, uh, we're all eating, come, come, have something to eat. Jesus says something kind of strange. Jesus says, I have food to eat that you don't even know about. I, I'm actually, I'm already eating something, and you have no idea what it's about, right? And the disciples kind of turn to each other, and they go, what, did someone, like, slip him a hot dog, you know, at the well? Or did the woman have a piece of bread, and she gave it to him, well, you know? did he already eat something where? Did he get a snack or something? Jesus explains. He says, my food is to do the will of God. Now that is an awesome quotable that you can actually take out of here. Why don't you repeat that with me? My food is to do the will of God. My food is to do the will of God. That sounds really cool and really... that, what does that mean? <laughs> what, what does that mean when Jesus says, my food is to do the will of God? What in the world does that mean? I, I've read this passage a lot of times, and I, I never really understood, like, what, is, what, is, what does Jesus mean when he says, my food is to do the will of God? What is that? I, I always thought it kind of meant like Jesus, like, look, I'm focused on something right here. You guys ever, like, you're, you're focused on work at home, and maybe your spouse calls you over to dinner, but you want to just do this thing first? You're just like, there's one more thing i got to get done. It's kind of like that. I always thought it was like that. Jesus like, there's one more thing i got to get done, you know. But why this whole thing about food? My food. What is food? Food is sustenance. Food is calories. Food is energy. Okay, I don't think he's talking about energy, my energy. What is food on an emotional level? What did you say when you ate that turkey? Yum, and you felt satisfied. What is food? It's satisfaction. Food is the thing that gives you satisfaction. And what is Jesus saying here? My food is to do the will of God. He is saying what? The most satisfying thing in the universe is to do God's will. That is actually an awesome message. 
the most satisfying thing in the world is to do God's will. Now, what's God's will at this moment? It's extending God's glory. It's sharing Christ with this woman who didn't know him but now knows him. And is, she can't stop just getting the news out and, and telling other people about him. It's extending God's glory and making God's son known. And Jesus is like, you know, there's nothing better than that. You know, one of the things I really love about this passage is that Jesus doesn't give them a guilt trip. He doesn't say, shame on you. I mean, I mean, just imagine like, um, like a Taiwanese grandmother, you know, like, shame on you. Here I am slaving, doing the will of God, and you guys are there just in your little corner, like munching away. Shame on you. You should be out here miserable like me, right, doing God's will. He didn't say that. What does he say? My food. What's food? Satisfaction. What is he talking about? Joy. Meaning. Life. He's saying, look, to do God's will is better than doing anything else. That is an amazing message. I mean, we're kind of stuck in like food and vacation and kids sports and, you know, doing stuff around the house. And, and Jesus is like, he's not like, shame on you. You should be here slaving for the word of God. No, he's like, come over here. Being, having, being on God's mission is awesome. It's joy. It's life. It's satisfying. It's really, really cool. You got to get over here. If you you don't get over here, you're missing out on all this adventure and excitement. In fact, doing God's will is what you were made for. That is an awesome message. I just want to say that, you know. Like when I'm talking to my kids, I don't want to be like, shame on you. I want to be like, okay, you can do that, but you are missing out. Pokemon and Minecraft is cool, but much better over here. That's a message I think that is more compelling. And that's the message of Jesus. That is the message of Jesus. Now, let me do a little bit more explaining. Um, Jesus says, don't you say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Now, I just want to explain that really quickly. That saying, it means that there's different seasons and there's different stages. There is the sowing stage, and then there is the harvesting stage, right? You got to wait during the sowing stage. You got to be faithful and then there's the harvest. <clears throat> Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. By the way, if you look at a field of wheat that's ready to be harvested, it's ripe. You will see glimmers of white on, on top of the field. The, the fields are white for harvest. And Jesus is saying, lift up your eyes and see. It's like Jesus saying, this is the day. Today is the day. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life. So that the, what's that next word with an S? Sower and the word that begins with an R? Reaper may rejoice together. Here Jesus is explaining that there are different roles but there is the same team. There are different roles here. One sows, especially during a season of sowing. One reaps when it's ready. Different roles, same team. For here, the saying holds true. One sows and another reaps. 
Now, again, uh, with this message, again, the main idea has been that if you make the mission of God the priority of your life, you have just signed up for a much better life, more excitement, more joy, more wonder, more awe. The second point I want to make is that even in this endeavor, people have different roles. Different roles, but the same team. And one person's victory is another person's victory as well. Well, uh, we have an illustration that I think really embodies uh, this teaching and this principle very, very well. I I sort of talked about it two weeks ago. I said that something incredible happened uh, right here during our church service. And um, so I'm going to invite Sherry to come up here and Sharon to come up over here. And we're kind of like tell our story together. I know normally when it's a it's a story of something God did. It's normally one person that just tells the story. But really, this was a group effort. And so we thought it'd be really cool to just kind of tell it to you as a group. Okay, you all want to say hi to the to, to ladies on my right and my left? Yeah. This is what it's like to be on this side. Okay? Yeah, they're nice. They're all smiling for you now. They don't always smile for me, but they're smiling for you right now. That's nice. Uh, God did something really, really cool, and we, want, we just want to share the story. We're, we're hoping it's going to be a great encouragement to you guys and to really give God glory. God's doing some really cool stuff in our church. Well, the story is actually not about us, but it's really about God and, and this man right here. Uh, this man is Sherry's father. You, you guys see the resemblance? Can you, a little bit, maybe a little bit. Now, <clears throat> my story is like the little, the little appetizer, and then Sherry's going to tell a little bit more about her father. But I guess it happened like three weeks ago, and it started on Saturday. On Saturday morning, I was in the kitchen. I think I was like uh, fixing a box of cereal or something like that, and suddenly I just had a thought. I was preaching chapter 7 from the David Platt book, right? And I was prepared to tell a story that David Platt told in that book. It's a really good story. But in my mind, I was thinking, you know, something gets lost in power when you tell another man's story, right? And so I I hear the Holy Spirit just whisper to me, uh, instead of telling David Platt's story, why don't you tell the story of your dad? Now, I, I was pretty sure it was the Holy Spirit. And one of the reasons why is normally when I'm thinking about a message and I'm like, okay, I don't like this part. This is how it's very mechanical. I go, okay, let's get three different options. And let's just choose the best one, you know? And this time it wasn't like that. It was a conversation like, hey, um, why don't you let go of this? I want you to do this one. And so I recognized, oh, I think that's the Holy Spirit. Hey, that, that's cool. And then I started working on changing that story. Now, later on, that story held some significance. And so I, I'm pretty sure that was the Holy Spirit. So let's actually fast forward to Sunday. And Sherry, you want to talk about your dad? Okay. Okay. <laughs> So we were getting ready to, uh, well, we were eating breakfast. My sister and my dad were visiting from Portland, Oregon, and my sister had plans for the day, but I said to my father, um, would you like to go to church with us? And he said, mm, not really. Not really. So I said, okay, you know, that's fine. And actually, for a little background, he had, um, we had grown up going to the Methodist church in, uh, just outside of Portland, but it was really um, my mom who was driving that because she grew up in a Catholic church and so forth. And, you know, I have visions of or memories of her praying every day. So anyway, I thought, well, that's okay. And I even considered maybe us not going to church that day and doing something with him. Yeah. But um, I thought, no, we should go. And so um, 
we were finishing breakfast and uh, he says, well, what time are we going to leave? And I thought, oh, that's interesting, okay. So I said, okay, about 10.15. So we came to church. Okay, you came to church. And then what, what happened when you, when you were at church? So Andrew was talking a little bit about his dad and saying, well, you know, my dad was one of those people who usually slept through church. And I said, oh, that's my father. I remember all those years of him just kind of sleeping in church. And um, it was interesting because my parents were, you know, we went every week. We always got those stars in Sunday school for perfect attendance. And um, my parents were members of the church and, and so forth. So, um, and very active going every week. But uh, when, when I thought about that, gosh, you know, that's something interesting. And that sounds like my dad. And he kept telling the story about the theme, really, that hit me that he was talking about was... Um, you know, there are a lot of good people in the world, but that doesn't mean they go to heaven. That and it, the real takeaway was the default is not heaven. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of felt like my dad fit in that category, that he was a good person, but he had not accepted Christ in his heart. He'd kind of gone through the motions. And so I panicked a little, thinking mm-hmm. I may never see my dad in heaven. And he's 86 years old, and he's in great health, but he's 86 years old. So so you know how, like, in the message, like, what, 10 minutes ago, we were talking about the urgency of the mission? Right. Uh-huh. And it sounds like suddenly at that moment you were just kind of awakened to the urgency of the mission, especially for your dad. Right. Yeah. And so actually I grabbed my comment card at that moment, and I yeah. started writing yeah. um, a prayer request to the CLC staff to pray for my dad and for him to... Uh, to well, for him to think about God and, and accepting God in his heart. Right. So <clears throat> after the message, we made prayer ministry available. And something compelled you to say to your father. Now, what did you say? So, again, I was kind of in this panicking mode. And, okay, the staff is going to pray for him sometime this week, hopefully. You know, they're very good about that. I can send out some emails. Actually, as another background, our home group for years, um, our home group has been together for at least we've been in it for eight years, and we've been all been talking about our family and how many members of our family, our parents especially, are not Christian, and so how hard that is, and that's the hardest conversation to have. It's almost easier to talk to a stranger mm-hmm. or a friend about our acquaintance about God than it is our own parents, and yeah. so this is something that we've been talking about. Yeah, so, so it, when I heard yeah. the, um, the, that the prayer team was mm-hmm. doing prayers in the back, I just um, stood up and I said to my dad, um, follow me. <laughs> oh, so that's how you do it. <laughs> and he followed you. I think he thought we were leaving early. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. I didn't know that part. Okay. <laughs> and boy, we surprised him, right? Okay, so you said, you said, dad, follow me. And he said, okay, I follow you. Then, then where'd you take him? I took him around back. I saw Sharon's face and I just Okay, and here's the picture of, of them kind of praying together. Now, now, Sher- now Sharon comes to you. What happened? Yeah, so she came with her dad, and I said, oh, so uh, what would you like prayer for? And she said, my dad. I said, what about your dad? <laughs> she goes, um, that he'll come to know Jesus. <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> yeah. 
I've prayed for many people to come to know the Lord, but not in front of them. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I thought, well, okay, this is my job. I'm on the prayer team. I'm supposed to pray for what they want. So, okay. <laughs> so I went over to his side and I prayed for him. I, I prayed this, I kind of prayed the gospel over him. Yeah. Um, I, I, I said that, you know, God knew his struggles and his difficulties and all the things that have happened in his life. And he also knew the things that kept him from coming to the uh -huh. Lord. Uh -huh. And I prayed that the Lord would soften his heart and make him realize that Jesus is the way, the yeah. truth, and the life. Yeah. It was a really good prayer, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I kind of had this out-of-body experience because the spirit was praying and I was listening. I'm going, wow, that's really good. That is really good stuff <laughs> coming out of my mouth. Wow. <laughs> and so I finished. And so, amen. And I'm done. And it felt really awkward. And I said, I guess I'm done. So I went to the other side, back to my station. I'm standing there. And then... That's when the argument started. And the spirit said, and? I said, and what? <laughs> she asked me to pray, and I prayed. I'm done. And he said, I don't think so. And then he brought back a memory of something my dad said to me when I was in high school. You know, a lot of people talk about God, and they talk about the gospel, and they talk about God and the gospel to people, and think that they, they're done, and that they've done what they needed to do because but they stopped short of asking the question do you want to receive yeah. like now dad really now yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was just wrestling with this like I am not a great evangelist I I'm not the person the go-to person to give the gospel to people so I had this great idea I'll ask Kevin to come talk to him. <laughs> Kevin is a much better evangelist than me. And then the spirit said, you could do that, but who will lose out? You will. And I said, oh, okay, so I'm getting, I'm getting ready to do it. Because normally when people come for prayer, after you pray, pray for them, they leave and they go back to their seats. Right, but they right. stayed where they were. So, okay, they're still here. Okay. And then someone else came up for prayer. It's like, oh, okay, so I hope, hope they stay. <laughs> so I, I prayed for this other person, and then they left, and then the Spirit was confirming to me, and I kept asking, is today the day? Is today, is the, today day? the day? And the Spirit said, you'll never know if you don't ask. I said, okay, I'll ask. When should I ask? Because we were still singing at that time. And I listened to the music, and I thought, you know what? I think the music is still ministering to him hmm. in a way because it was – Still very much the message. So uh, I thought, okay, after, after the final prayer is done, I'll go and talk to him. But I also needed an exit strategy. What if he says no? What do I do then? So I thought, okay, I'll just ask him, well, what keeps you from accepting and receiving Jesus? And then I would, he would tell me, and I'd say, okay, well, let me pray for you one more time. And that was going to be it. That was going to be it. So the service ended, and I asked Sherry, can I talk to your dad some more? And she goes, sure, sure, I'm going to go pick up my kids. You stay down here with him. I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I went to the other side of him, and I asked him, have, do you know the gospel? And he said, kind of. I said, well, can I explain it to you again? So I explained, and then this is another thing is that I've been a Christian so long, I know too much. Yeah, I've got yeah. a lot of information in my head. So 
prayed, Lord, give me something simple to say. Yeah. So I avoided words like propitiation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's my just, favorite word. <laughs> so I just, I, I told him as simply as I could that right. sin keeps us from, from having a relationship with God, but that his son died on the cross so that we had access to him, that we only needed to believe, to ask for forgiveness of sins, and give our lives to him. And so I told him all these things, and then I said, so then I reached over and I said, so Tom, is today the day that you will receive Jesus as your savior? And he said, I think so. And I said, oh, that's so great. I said, so would you like to pray with me? He said, I think that's a good idea. <laughs> and so we prayed, and, you know, I was, I was just kind of like, wow, wow, just what, what happened now? Yeah, so yeah. <clears throat> I welcomed him to the family, yeah. and I thought, what do I do with him now? I'll bring him to Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, can, I, can I do a little a timeout? Uh, I'm doing a timeout because I think they're talking about something that Jesus is, is um, talking about in the text. So let me just touch base here, explain what's going on here through the, the eyes of Jesus and the scripture, and then we'll go back to the story because there still is an ending, okay? Um, so Jesus says this, he says, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together, but here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. Okay, so in this awesome teamwork, who's the sower? Sherry, right? And what did she do? She, this is like charade, she prayed and she modeled and, and she shared her faith and she invited to church, right? She was so, and who, who's the reaper? Okay, Sharon, okay? And so, sower and reaper rejoice together. There's different roles, but same team, right? Same purpose, same victory. Now, now here's the issue with the sower. A lot of times, sowing is hard work, right? Because you're, you're tilling the, f- the tilling the field. How do you how do you plowing the field? Plowing the field. I don't know. You're plowing the field. You're sowing seeds. You're fertilizing. You're watering, right? And sometimes you feel like I don't think this is going anywhere. You guys ever have that feeling? I don't even think it's making any difference, right? I mean, all the stuff I'm praying. But, but here's the thing: without the prayer, without the invitation, without the modeling. Sharon would be praying by herself in the back, right? Right? So the sowing was building towards the reaping. So if God has called you to sow, then sow faithfully. It's leading somewhere. Sow faithfully. If God has called you to sow, sow faithfully. Different parts, but same team. But here's also a message. Jesus says, lift up your eyes and see. Right? See what? See that today is the day. Maybe you've been sowing and sowing and sowing, and the person that you're sowing to doesn't need more information. It's Sharon's uh, father's advice. What do they need? They need an invitation. Maybe it's time. Maybe today is the day. Maybe that's the word for you. Today is the day. No more sowing. Don't need any more sowing. What they need is an invitation. And maybe that's the word for you. Okay, so this is how the scripture kind of clarifies and shows us what's actually happening here. Let's go back to the story. So you led Tom in what we call a sinner's prayer. You brought him to me. I had a conversation with him. He he actually told me that my father's story uh, touched him. And at that moment, I realized, well, 
that wasn't my idea. That was the Holy Spirit, right? So the Holy Spirit was totally setting this up. And then Tom finally was able to go home, right? Why don't you finish the story with uh, your dad at home? Okay, so then we were on our way home, and um, I said, I'm curious, Dad, what was it that Sharon said to you? He said, well, you know the typical. And I said, what? Well, I'm curious to know what he said, what she said, because I never actually asked somebody. Yeah, yeah. I'd done that invitation. And he said, well, you know, the, the typical spiel. <laughs> I'm looking for a little bit more specifics here. <laughs> but that was kind of all he had to offer. Mm. And then that evening, uh, Reen and I were hosting a book club with her friends. And Doug and Shunji were at a soccer tournament. And they came home later and had dinner with my dad. And at the end of the evening, I asked Doug, you know, did dad say anything about the happenings of today? And he said, no. And so the next day at breakfast, I said, uh, my sister was there also, and I said, well, did, um, Dad, do you want to tell everyone about anything that happened yesterday? And he says, yeah, I, uh, I accepted Christ as my Savior. And my sister looks at him and says, I thought you already did that. And um, he said, no, I hadn't. So I thought that was very interesting. You know, when, when it's one thing for... Sharon to say, I think he really accepted, and it's one thing for you to say it, but for your dad in his own words to say, I accepted Jesus, that's pretty significant. I mean, we know what that sounds like. It sounds like a, a confession of faith, and that is very, very awesome. So we just, we just were waiting on the story for the right time to tell you guys. We were so excited to share with you guys what God did, like right over there and over there and over here, and it's just like God is on the move. And being part of this mission is really exciting, is it not, right? I mean, we're beyond, like, high fives. It's just, you know, we want to have, like, a group hug because it's so awesome that we were in this together. So can we give a, give a hand to uh, Sherry, Sower, Sharon, Reaper? Great job. Great job. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. You know, I also want to say one thing. Um, Sherry wrote this email to Sharon. And it was just yesterday, but I thought it was, it, was, it was amazing. The email said this, Sharon, I will literally be forever grateful to you that you have the fortitude to ask my father, is this the day? How many times has someone ever said that to you? I am literally going to be forever thankful. I, I spent five hours cooking, smoking that turkey. They were grateful for like five minutes. No one was eternally grateful, literally. How many things do we do in a given day, in a given month, that really has eternal consequences? I mean, what, what just happened right here? One man is going to live for eternity. He will be re reunited with his wife. He will be united with his daughter. Eternity is a very long time. I mean, we do a lot of things in a month and a lot of things in a week. But how many things really, really, really matter? How many things really, really, really are this exciting because of what's at stake? This is urgent. And it's also exciting. And then when you see someone come to Christ, you're like, man, there's nothing better than that. There's nothing better than to be a part of seeing someone else come to Christ. And that's our mission. And it is so urgent. And it is so awesome to be a part of that mission.
This uh, series has been a series of renewal. It's for us to say, okay, these other things that are not important, I'm going to put them in the not important category. And these things are of ultimate importance. I'm going to actually spend my life on these things. They're going to have my first priority. That's what this series is all about. Now, let me say this. There's a small place to apply this, and there's a big place to apply this. The small place is just in our lives. It's, it's with family, and it's at work, and it's at school, and it, it's... it's with relatives, with parents. And I imagine there are people today who are going to be encouraged and they're going to say, I'm going to make sowing to this person right here my priority in life. I'm going to make time for this. I'm going to pray about this. And maybe there's some people here who are saying, you know something? I think the word for me is that we don't need more sowing. What this person I love needs is an invitation. You know, lift up your eyes and see the field is white for harvest. That's the small place to apply. But I think there's a very big place to apply. And this really fits with the very spirit and the very drive of this series. We have been talking about world missions. And I feel so good about this because I haven't really talked about world mission for years and years. Actually, I've never really emphasized world missions. God is changing my heart. And we've, we actually spent uh, 50% of the messages in this series talking about world missions. Here's the big place to apply. Make the glorification of God among all the nations your priority in life. God cares not just about the Bay Area, but he cares about the entire world. The thing about the Bay Area is that you can get a Bible. You can find a church if you're hungry. But there are places where there is no Bible and there is no church. And we normally don't worry about these things. I think we need to worry about these things. I think we need to be concerned. So there's a small place to apply this message, which is my circle of influence. And there's a very big place to apply this message, which is the nations. And we're going to talk a little bit about that um, after we watch this video. And then we're going to start wrapping things up and talking about applications. So here's this video. Um, If you look in your bulletin, we're going to wrap up with application for the entire series, okay? It's really four things, four things to consider. And I would encourage you to just ask the Holy Spirit, which one do you want me to really apply? Which one do you want me to think deeply about? Which Which one do you want me to make some advances in? Okay, number one is pray for the world on a regular basis. There's this great um, website called globalprayerdigest.org. If you want to hear about unreached people groups on a regular day, you can just go to that website, globalprayerdigest.org, and then you can just get on there for free. But I don't think there's there's any better way to really care like God cares for the nations than through prayer. You know, if you really love God, then you're going to care about the things that he cares about. He cares tremendously about his glory among the nations about people who don't know him, knowing him. So we need to make that a priority. Number two is go on a short-term missions project. Maybe some of us are called to be senders. But you know something? You're not going to be a really good sender unless you go. Because when you go, then your heart breaks. You meet the people. You hear the stories. You're transformed. You come back. It's, a, it's one thing to, 
to talk about them, but it's another thing to actually see their faces. And it's powerful. Uh, I, I love, at the end of the video, it was an encouragement for us to make the worship of God among all nations our priority. And there's, there's at least two big reasons why, number one, it's urgent. It's terribly urgent. The things that we do in this life have an impact for eternity. Terribly urgent. And number two, it's also terribly satisfying. You have this sense that your life is being spent on something that matters. And you feel like, man, I was made for this. You know why? Because you were. So here are some baby steps. We talked about praying for the world on a regular basis. We talked about going on a short-term missions trip. These are baby steps. Um, I know that there's none being offered right now, but you can make a commitment that in the next two years you're going to go. And uh, you can go ahead and make that commitment now, actually. The third thing is befriend a missionary. Sometimes when we talk about the world mission, it's very abstract. But if you make a friend who is a missionary and you call that person friend, suddenly the cause is personal. There's a name and a face to the mission. And we need that because we're very relational, personal beings. So if you look in the back of the CLC directory, you'll see a list of all these missionaries we sponsor. Why not start there? Send them an email. Ask them for prayer requests. Do it together as a home group. It is very satisfying to do that because our food is to do the will of God and it's a far greater satisfaction. And then lastly, actively share your faith with another person. And maybe again, the word for you is, you know, I'm going to keep on sowing. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on praying and keep on modeling and keep on loving. Or maybe the word for you is, you know, I think we've done enough sowing. It's time to give an invitation. Because the mission is terribly urgent. And it's also incredibly satisfying. So let's pray. Lord God, as we wrap up the series, we pray that your word would continue to have its effect on our hearts. Lord, we love you. And so we want to care about the things that you care about. And because we love you and you care so much about giving God glory among all nations, we want to make that our priority too. Please help us as we consider all these baby steps. Please help us become the people of God you've called us to become. And it can be so by the power of your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray.